What's up, everybody? Pete Kennedy here of Subway Sports Talk. And guys, I'm pretty excited about this because I know it's like NFC, AFC Championship Week right now. And don't worry, we have a whole lot of football to talk about. We're going to hit on the Giants. We're going to hit on what we just saw in the divisional round. But we're also going to preview these two championship games coming up. But we can't forget that this podcast is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And it's almost trade deadline season. So if you go to the basketballpodcastnetwork.com or just Google the Basketball Podcast Network, you'll see all the different pods on the network dedicated to individual teams. Almost every single team has a dedicated pod, plus a bunch others, which is where Subway Sports Talk fits in, that talk about multiple teams and or the league at large. And mine obviously talks about NFL and MLB as well. But right now, it's trade deadline season, and we got some exciting stuff going on where we're making trades. We're trying to make moves. We're trying to bring some actual insight and thoughtful trade ideas to one another. And we got a great message here from our friends over at the Mavs Outsiders podcast. Now, if you're a Knicks fan, you might be thinking, we've been down this lane before. We've traded with the Mavericks before. We've had some of their players. They have some of our players. Well, our guy, Mike Bibbins, has some thoughts about another possible way to incorporate Mavs and Knicks players into the same bucket. Hello, Pete. It's Mike Bibbins of the Mavs Outsiders podcast, along with Reese Williams. We are coming to you with an offer that you can't refuse. Sending home two New York boys, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Frank Nielakina. Tim Hardaway Jr. will give you the outside threat, that guy that stretches the floor that your, your offense desperately needs. Got too many guys that want to drive to the rim. You need that outside threat to open things up for them. Frank is on a team-friendly deal that de-escalates over the next three years. <clears throat> In return, we're asking for Derrick Rose, Cam Reddish, and two seconds. That's the 2024 and 2025 seconds from Detroit. Why would we want Derrick Rose? Well, we need a third guard. Since we since y'all stole Jalen Brunson from us, uh, we need another guard in the rotation that can handle the ball, run the offense. Currently, we only have Spencer and Luca doing that. It would be nice to have another guy. Uh, you guys were asking for second round compensation for Cam Reddish. Instead, you get a rotational guy in Tim Hardaway Jr. that adds value to your team. Derrick Rose doesn't really fit what y'all are doing anymore. Cam Reddish, trying to get something back for him. You're getting Tim Hardaway Jr. I know you had history with him. I think he fits better with your current team than he did in the past. What you think? I think some things. Mike Bibbins, Mavs Outsiders, thank you for sending that trade offer. And obviously this is even funnier because it's not just two teams that have traded back and forth with one another before, but it's players that have been on the Knicks before in Tim Hardaway Jr., not once but twice, and Frank Nielakina, who just left two years ago, who you want to send back to us. And I don't know if this is a retribution for us stealing Jalen Brunson or you're just trying to make your team better, but I got to be honest, I first thought I was not going to like this trade. I first thought there's no way we're finding the right trade for these two teams. It's going to actually possibly help both teams, but obviously from my perspective, got to help my New York Knicks first and foremost. And then I thought about it. I said, Mike Bivens, you might have a point. Because think about this right here. Tim Hardaway Jr. will be possibly the second best shooter on this team right away behind Quentin Grimes. That's a big thing. Right now, Derrick Rose, Cam Reddish not getting time. The Knicks' biggest issue is not a lack of depth. It's a lack of above-average talent at the top or at the middle top, if you will. They have a bunch of decent players. Not a lot of very good players. I'm not saying Tim Hardaway is very good, but he would crack this rotation. My only question is, would Tim Hardaway Jr. be okay with coming off the bench at age 30 back in New York for his third stint? That'd be the deal breaker for me. Because I don't want to push Quentin Grimes to the bench, and it's not going to be RJ to the bench, and it's obviously not going to be Randall because Tim Hardaway don't play that position. That's question number one. Will Tim Hardaway accept a bench role? If so, I think this is a good trade for both sides. The second-round picks for Detroit, those kind of sting going out since they could be in the 30s, possibly low 30s. But right here, right now, the Knicks need more shooting. The Knicks need more offensive versatility, which Tim Hardaway can provide. And on a team-friendly contract, not only does Frank Nilakina's 
numbers go down. Tim Hardaway's making $19 million this year, $17.8 next year, $16.1 the year after that. That's a great deal. This all checks out in ESPN's NBA trade machine. So here's my final counter, Mike. I want to hear what you think about this. I almost accept your trade. The only thing I want to change, I want to add, strictly for vibes, Theo Pinson from Dallas to bring him back to the New York Knicks to lift the spirits of this team, which is so desperately in need of lifting. So if I'm the GM of the New York Knicks, I accept your offer along with Theo Pinson to bring Tim Hardaway Jr. back to New York, Frankie Smokes, Frankie Nicotine, Frank Nilakina back to New York, who, Mike, you don't even know this, but I love that man. I bought a jersey just because I love him so much, even though I knew he wasn't good. So bring me some Frankie Smokes, bring me THJ, get this team some more buckets, and you enjoy two guys that can't quite get in our rotation but can totally help some folks. This right here, Mike, is a deal if you give us Theo Pinson. So there we have it. What do you guys think about that trade? Is it worth bringing THJ back? I mean, if he's not going to accept that start or that bench role, that six-man, seven-man role, I don't think I want to make this one happen. It's important to me to keep Grimes in the starting lineup, but I think Tim might be in that point of his career where he sees himself still getting those 12, 13 shots a game off the bench, maybe even a little more opportunity to create with the bench unit. I think he might accept it. If he does, I really like this trade because D-Rose and Cam Reddish, they're good players who can help folks. I don't know what they're getting us back, but when you can get a bona fide rotational player, starter caliber, definite good bench piece like Tim Hardaway, I like this trade a lot. The two seconds, you know, we'll see you later. And Frank Nilakina, he ain't going to play much for the New York Knicks as currently constituted. But when you need some extra defense, when you need somebody at the end of a quarter, end of a game to help lock somebody down, he can do it. And we know he can play a little bit in the playoffs and in some big situations because he did it as recent as last year in Dallas and then earlier for the Knicks the year prior. So I'm pro Frankie Smokes. Theo Pinson brings the vibes. Tim Hardaway would be a plus for this team. I like this trade. I don't know what you guys think, but I want to hear it. Hit me up at Subway Sports Talk. But now we'll start the show talking football with Pat Boyle and Cody O'Connor. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, and on YouTube. Joining me today, as they have so frequently throughout the season, as they do all the time, my guys over here, and first and foremost, the one you hear probably more than anyone else that's not me on this podcast, Pat Boyle, my man. How you doing? Pete, what's up, brother? I got to be honest to kick us off here. A uh, little seasonal depression starting to kick in, knowing we only got three football games left. I mean, week 19, can you believe it already? <laughs> I can't week believe this. 21, dude. I know. I know. I, this season flew by, and uh, I'm going to milk these final three games for everything they're worth. Mm. This is the only thing you can do. It really is. And uh, we were just talking before we started recording about uh, significant others and, and uh, stuff like that. And we're sitting here saying, man, there's only three more games. How sad. And my girlfriend's like, there's only three more games? That means you're only going to be glued to your TV Monday, Thursday, and Sunday for like a couple more weeks. <laughs> like, yep. So it's very opposite vibes depending on who you're talking to. Cody, I know where you're lying. How you feeling though, brother? That's so funny you bring that up. And thanks for having me back. Good to be back. But I I realized throughout my time in my uh, relationship that even though football season ends and Alyssa thinks, oh, she's got a break in the action. I'm sitting here like, oh, the World Baseball Classic's coming up and golf season's ramping up. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. What that, I don't know. Just, <laughs> that, that was crazy. What just happened? <laughs> I think Alyssa just did that from, from my bedroom somehow. I think she just heard me and just kind of oh. threw some shade into the podcast to say, yeah, I things never slow down over here. I definitely hit a button there on my keyboard backs and I just, I couldn't tell you what I hit. I usually have to click that with my mouse. Sorry, Cody, continue world baseball classic, something like that. 
Yeah, golf's coming up. Basketball's going to ramp up. There really is never a lull in the action, even though football is king. There's still something always coming up around the corner. And, and you just get deeper into basketball. You get a little deeper into maybe a little college basketball. I know Pat dives there. I, I don't dive there as much until tournament time. Uh, but NBA will be on the forefront. And then all of a sudden you're blinking and it's pitchers and catchers and you start to talk about baseball and then you're on a whole different type of grind. So you're hundred percent right, but nothing quite takes over a moment like a Sunday between one and seven with Scott Hansen, just whispering sweet nothings in your ear. There's nothing quite like it in the world. <laughs> There's not, but yeah, now that you mentioned basketball, like now Tuesday, Thursday, TNT games are going to become a staple for me. Mm-hmm. Harlan, Ian Eagle, BA, like, dude, oh my God. Those are some of the best games of the year. Early March, playoff race really heating up. You know every game for the final 15, 20 games actually matters. And yeah, that's at least something to fill the void. It's something. It's something. And by the way, Cody O'Connor, I don't think I said your actual full name before when I said hello to you. So Cody O'Connor, thank you. Pat Boyle here as well. And I'm Pete Kennedy. We're going to talk about the Giants, obviously. Probably not that long, though. Maybe also obviously, because after that game on Saturday being such a debacle and being really just so unentertaining, it's hard to dive deep into the game. They got beat bad, but there are a lot of questions and things we can talk about, you know, slightly on that game and then about their season and moving forward in general. So we're going to hit on that. And then we're just going to dive right into it. The teams that just played other than the Giants quickly. And then we're previewing the AFC and NFC championship games obviously with the Eagles and 49ers going at it in Philly coming up and then the Chiefs and Bengals going at it in Kansas City, a rematch from last year's uh, AFC championship. What a doozy. I mean, we were really going to get a good matchup no matter what uh, around here. Maybe if you you could argue the Jaguars, if they pulled it off, would have been a little weird in that AFC championship. But Bills, Chiefs, Chiefs, Bengals, man, you got happy campers over here and you should be too. So we'll touch on all that stuff. But before we get to that, we got to talk about our friends over from DraftKings Sportsbook. Because right now there are only four NFL teams remaining. There's two conference championship games and the Super Bowl. That's it. That means you only got a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down the Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. That's for new customers. $5, 200 in free bets. Not a new customer, though? You can still feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. That's a chance for you to take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout when you boost your winnings with each leg you add up up to 100%. So for every leg you add, you go 10%, 10%, 10%. Boom, all of a sudden, 100% odds boost on your same game parlay. I'm thinking about that Eagles-Niners game right now, and it's really tough to choose a side, but you might feel really good about certain players getting busy. For example, Dallas Goddard. I expect him to be consistent. You can get his over. You can mix it in, perhaps if Christian McCaffrey's feeling healthy, with his over on receiving yards. That's always a good way to go. Will Jalen Hurts throw one touchdown against his 49ers defense? That's a nice leg. All of a sudden, might be a decent size same-game parlay, and then you step up that same-game parlay, and your odds are looking even better. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPM. New customers can bet $5 on the conference championship and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPM. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Guys, it's important to just talk about the Giants and we got to air it out. And I'll say this. I watched the game with two Philly fans, two Eagles fans, three three Eagles fans actually, if we're being fair. Um, it was almost not even tough, if that makes sense, right? I was expecting to go in there and battle. And it was going to be a close game and we're going to be talking smack and yo, we're coming back. Yo, we're going to score in this drive. Nah, we're shutting you down, blah, blah, blah. The whole nine back and forth. We got none of it. After the Eagles went down the Giants throat on the first drive, I said to my buddy, if the Giants don't at least get like three first downs here, this game's going to feel over. That's exactly what happened. So Cody, your viewing experience, your feelings during that debacle, what, what was going through your head? Yeah, it was a quiet, quiet O'Connor household over there. And like you said, there was just really never an opportunity to like cheer or like get up for it and feel like, hey, this is our mo There was just none of that. I mean, listen, we came on here last week, said there was a path for the Giants. And I think that path was something to muddy up the game and to just kind of keep it close like they've done a lot this year. And their hope was that 
hey, Jalen Hurts is not playing fully healthy. Lane Johnson, like we talked about, and the Eagles really have been playing their best ball the past month, like we've seen the first, say, three quarters of the season. Um, well, they came out and they played their A-plus game, and that's kind of the thing about the Giants. And I think we all knew that, right? Like, if Philly, if San Fran even can throw Dallas in there in the NFC, comes out and plays an A-plus game, the Giants just couldn't hang with those teams. You had to mucky it up. They just Philly just came in. They had a better game plan. They seemed better prepared. They were up for it. They were ready. And they shoved it down our throat from start to finish. There was just nothing to be, you know, happy about or cheering about. Um, but it, like you said, it's it, it's kind of almost easier as a fan for me to have been like, all right, I can accept this by the first quarter and not just have to sit there the next day and be like, oh, we could have beat them. We lost by this play at the end. We lost by a bad call. None of that. It was just a team who was just in a different class than us, and we saw that clearly. And uh, just, you know, hats off still to a fantastic year. I don't want to let that last game, that lasting image, be what we remember of this season because it truly was a special year um, for the Giants, and the hope is that they're now pointed in the right direction with the right guys up top with Joe Shane, Brian Dable, and the crew to hopefully make good moves this offseason and build on something that was uh, a great year and have some momentum going into the next. Yeah, I almost don't even want to add to that because you go through the, all the gambit of emotions from first quarter to fourth quarter. You know, you get up for the game. You have some moments of excitement. Daniel Jones throws for a first down. You're like, okay. And then it goes downhill, downhill, downhill. By the end of the game, you went up and then all the way down. Then it's over. You're like, well, glad that's over, I guess. And you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to second guess yourself on, on the next day. You don't have radio hosts talking about it all day long saying, Oh, only if Brian Dable made this decision, only if Daniel Jones didn't throw that interception. Like, no, it's not one thing. It was across the board and they got abused by a team. That's been the number one team in the NFC for basically the entire year until the Niners really came on hot at the end. So Pat, not a true giants fan, but you've been a pretty true giant supporter now for a handful of years. What was your, what was your bird's eye view? Yeah, I, I think you, you come away from this game taking away something pretty obvious and that's, the Giants are not nearly there yet. They're not at the Eagles level. Became pretty obvious. This was a team that played above their heads all year long. They were fantastically coached. Um, they won close games almost every every time they won. You know, they were the actual Vikings rather than the Vikings who were the fraud Vikings. Um, but then it just goes to show you just, again, that this was, this was supposed to be year one of a rebuild. This team wasn't supposed to be good. So, yeah, as a fan, Cody, and every other Giants fan, it's normal to get your expectations up as the season goes on because you're not going to say, all right, well, you know, we're going to revert to the mean at some point. I guess we shouldn't even, you know, hope to make the playoffs, even when the Giants were, what, seven and two. There was still like that you you were scared to let it out. And then, again, as they make the playoffs, when they throttle the Colts, when they go in and beat the Vikings, which I think all three of us thought was a pretty good indicator of what was going to happen, that they were going to be in that game. Um, and then the, for them to get slaughtered by Philadelphia, you know, again, yeah, I think you got to keep in mind, like Cody said, this was a fantastic first year. Um, I don't know if you'd have any nervous feelings as a fan thinking that this team could be due for a, you know, setback then next year. Because, um, you know, again, when when you look at what this team did this year, they can only get better. They're only going to have better cap situation. There's only going to be more clarity. So I don't, and again, it's pretty rare for a team to have a fluke year in the NFL. It's easy in baseball. It's kind of easy in basketball. Football, it's very tough. Um, but, you know, with what made me angry about this game on Saturday was we knew the Giants were a team that couldn't afford to have a bad week. Right? It's, and I feel like you're angry when you watch that game thinking, like, how can they come – how can they look this unprepared – Right. Like once you're in the playoffs, you don't think you're but you can't have a bad week. That's the Giants had a bad week. And again, that just goes to show you that on the, when they're not playing their A game, that was going to be possible. But what gets me angry is the way that the game started out. Giants got outscored. They got they were down 21 nothing the first time they played them when Philly beat them 48 22. They were now 19 nothing, albeit with Davis Webb playing quarterback and resting their guys. So you've been outscored 40 to nothing in the first half by this team the last two times you played them. And then they start the game down 28 nothing out of the gate. Like, you knew that you had to be aggressive. I don't understand why they win the, why they win the toss and Dayball goes defer. Get your fucking offense on the field and make a statement, man. And Philly goes right down the field and scores, and that was the beginning of the end. And for me, it's, okay, well, you know they're good. 
right? It's hard to game plan around a team that's that can has so many strengths. But it just looked like the same thing from the first two times they played, that it's like, dude, you knew they were going to do this. Their strength is they're going to run it down your throat. You can't stop them. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, well, I, we could probably get into it with some Giants offseason plans. But, I, oh, my God, dude, I couldn't, I couldn't watch Jalen Smith miss more tackles mm. on just when he's the first guy there. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, dude, this guy can't tackle to save his life. But anyway, just it was it was over from the start. It was over from the start. And you're like, how could this happen for a third time? And uh, and then the decision making from Dayball, not going for it on the fourth drive on the first drive, excuse me, going for it right away. Fourth and eight from Philadelphia's 40. But then in the third quarter, they're down 28 seven and he doesn't go for it. Fourth and six from almost midfield. So those are my main takeaways. Um, but again, I think as a fan, you got you're, you're going to bring there's going to be a lot of positive days over the next six months. Yeah. And you could point to those day ball situations where he could have, you know, pushed a different button off the jump with the coin flip, the fourth down that you're talking about, the other fourth down you're talking about. Did those plays change the game? No, but it, it was really the overall vibe and opportunity of the game that didn't add up. It didn't add up to who they were all year, to who made them special, to what helped them get there. Because if you really think about the breakdown, like the chunks of their season, if you think about maybe it, I don't know, let's say in like thirds, uh, there's like the first third of the season where they were overachieving. They were going over expectations and they were crushing it. And this whole thing was like, oh my God, wait, are the Giants actually good? No, no, they're not good yet. No, maybe they are actually kind of good. And they were going for it. They were being aggressive. Dayball was doing his thing. It was amazing. Then in their final 10 games, it's more like halves, but I'm going to say thirds for now. In their final 10 games, they were three, six, and one, right? And now they were banged up in the defensive uh, backfield. They were dealing with some injuries. Their O-line was okay, whatever. But three, six, and one for a good team should basically never happen, right? Like you should floor out at, you know, 500 or, you know, right below 500, not three games under out of 10. That's rough. So it wasn't like this team was great the whole year. I think a lot of people after that Vikings win wanted to tell themselves that this team was great all year. Wasn't true. And it's why I tried to be at least a little bit hesitant last week, crowning Daniel Jones for the Vikings game, crowning the Giants for everything. But that doesn't mean this six, this season was bad or that I'm feeling negative about this season. It just it was really hard for me to convince myself they were even on the same level as the Eagles. And yet I still kind of did as a fan. Very happy I didn't bet on the side more so than you know, 10 bucks on the Giants, Giants money line for funsies and for some pride, some fan pride that Mark Lugan would never do. He would never waste 10 bucks on a team he doesn't like. Um, but overall, <laughs> all the things he, are still He bet the Eagles money line. <laughs> he, de- he did, definitely. He, right? he, literally did, no, he literally did. Yeah. So that is like the second third of the season. I guess the it's not even parts, but then the final third was the tale of two two games. You beat the Vikings breaks off you beat them up bad you look like the better team you are the better team and then you go to eagles and you get basically embarrassed right that's all good it is what it is in totality it's a good season there's a lot of positivities cody like you said they're going in the right direction with the right people at the helm this is now where the questions become more serious are we going to look at this team next year based off the offseason they have and say their over under should be nine or should be nine and a half because pat and i there's video out there right now, if you're listening to this, you can go find me and Pat on YouTube in the Giants preview, or the not the Giants preview, actually, the over-under, where we did general over-unders for the uh, for the NFL. And for the final under, we looked at each other, started laughing, and said, under on the Giants, there's no way this team wins seven games. No way. How, how is their number even six and a half? So clearly, they overshined our expectations from before the season, but that didn't make them anything more than a nice story and a good team with a bright future. That's that's the gist of it. I think we kind of covered it all right there. Um, and I know some people get really frustrated when pundits on the radio and TV and et cetera, or people who do podcasts like us say, oh, if you're just saying that this is icing on the cake and you don't think you can win this game, like you shouldn't be in it. You shouldn't be a fan. Like, no, you're also just being realistic, right? Like, I don't know, Pat, how you feel about that. Being around as much media as you are and being in the media, like, Fans and, and some media members alike get really mad. I remember hearing, hearing Tiki Barber on, on the fans saying, this is not like icing on the cake. Like they have to win this game. They have to think they can win this game. They have to think they can go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. From the player's perspective. But we're not players. We're not changing the outcome of anything that happens on the field. We're just excited to be here. We could be realistic as well. And I think realis- realistic or realism hit as soon as they got their ass whooped 
by the Eagles in every facet of the game. O-line for them crushed our D-line. Their D-line crushed our O-line. Their quarterback played better. Their running backs played better. They ran harder. They broke more tackles. They tackled better. That's it. Whole story. Boom. Done. Over. Not on the same level. But that's okay because there's a bright path moving forward. I agree. I agree. And I, I, you know, like you said, you know, Tiki saying, oh, the players have the mindset they have to win. Tiki's really great because he tells you what the players are thinking, what the players are feeling. He relates to them. And you get that inside look of like, you know, we talk about these guys all the time. We talk about sports. And then to have somebody tell you, you know, this is what's going through their minds and stuff. So I get why, you know, Tiki was doing that and stuff. But like you said, Pete, and you, and I got to give you a lot of credit for this, man. I don't think you ever got too high on the Giants. Whereas... I tried not. Uh, look, I, I think the future is extremely bright for Daniel Jones, and, and we can talk about him, and that's going to be a big talking point now for the next uh, two months here is what does the contract actually look like? I've said he, I think he should get 40. I think he's probably going to fall somewhere between 32 and 38. Um, I wouldn't be surprised he gets 35 average annual. Um, I think the Giants are going to lock him up. I think they are going to try their best to lock up Saquon. I don't think Saquon's a given. Um but I was I got very high on this Giants team because they they blew me away in what it was supposed to look like, and then when you have a front office and a coaching staff that knows what they're doing, and you think about all the other franchises that once they get there, man, they're not going backwards because they're set up for a decade of success. The Brady run with New England, Golden State run with with the Dubs. Um, that's what you're hoping for as a Giants fan that in two years from now you can be there and then sustained. Uh, so I think the Giants are on the right track with there, but I do give you credit, man. I don't, there was, I don't think there was ever really a point where you're like, you know what, this Giants team is, is special. And I think you speak for a lot of other people that didn't get too excited because you know where this team currently stands. And, and most of those people weren't Giant fans. I think that's the thing. And that's yeah, why there's my, a lot of haters. My friend Alec, who is the mo- he's a fans fan. You know, you call him like a, a guy's guy. He's a fans fan. He roots for his Giants, Yankees, and Mets incredibly hard and he gets down incredibly hard when they suck right like that's a fans fan that's how most fans are and how you can argue a true fan supposed to be i just i just try to be at least a little bit realistic here because i guess like i don't want to say it's part of our job here is like that would sound so stuffy like on a podcast that not that many people listen to in the grand scheme of things right it's not like i'm on the fan yet you know like so i don't have anything that's forcing me to be a hater. It's actually just what I see. And that's why even with the Knicks after their win streak and whatever, I'm like, wow, this is amazing news. This is great that it's happening for the Knicks right now. They're still not a top five team in the East, right? Like let's not get twisted around here and fuck up our expectations. Cause that's where as a fan, you're just going to dig a deeper hole for yourself. Like you might be stacking up a bunch of dirt so you can stand taller if this works out. But if that falls down, you're falling into a bigger hole. That's what I try to avoid as a fan. And that's why I try to help people avoid who listen to this podcast. Cody, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely agree. I always try to keep that like somewhat level head. Um, And that's kind of why this game was like an easier pill to swallow. Like I said, like they were just outclassed, you know, where you just never know what's going to happen next year, the year after the way the ball is going to break, you know, what, what, luck you have, what's going to go on with injuries, with everything. You don't know how the other teams are going to improve, what have you. So when you get there, yeah, of course, like Tiki's saying, you got to be thinking, we got to win this game, we can win this game. All of that has to be going on while, like you said, in the in our perspective, we're like, listen, if the Eagles play an A-plus game, which they did, we can't hang with them. We know that. So what can we possibly do? And, you know, it wasn't Dayball's best showing, wasn't DJ's best showing, but, again, that doesn't mean – that's what the season was just because of that final game. So um, the hope is the future's bright, and uh, that's what we're hanging our hats on. That's what I've been excited about as a fan was that it looks like we've got the right guys in place up top. That's what I've been excited about as a Mets fan. I see so many parallels, actually, between the two seasons and, like, what might be coming going forward. Um, And that's all you can hope for is that next year and the years after, you just continue to give yourself a chance. They gave themselves a chance. I'm happy for that. I'll take that any year. Um, and we hope that it's something that's sustained going forward. Yeah. And that's why I'm fine saying this is a win of a season. And anyone who's out there saying like, no, it's not a win because of how it ended. Like you're not looking at the big picture. And, and I know that some people don't like the idea of going back to the beginning of the season and saying, 
oh, this was the expectations and you reached here. They say, no, the expectations change as times change, which is totally fair as well, right? Like both things are kind of true at the same time. Yeah, they, they were not expected to even be a playoff team, let alone win a playoff game. That's a huge win. By the time they got there, they still weren't expected to win a playoff game. So it's not like the expectations changed where they lost as a favorite or they were, you know, a push with the, a pick them with the Eagles. They were a touchdown freaking underdog in a playoff game. So, you know, the proof is in the pudding at that point. Uh, last thing on the Giants quick, because we got to move on. The key, mo- the key marks here in the offseason. I think they're pretty obvious. So let me just say them and then you guys can either tweak, agree, or add. Playmaking wide receiver, number one. Like as close to a game changer, obviously if you can get a game changer, that's that's a game changer. But if you get a good playmaking wide receiver as a number one, a linebacker who can tackle and or cover, God forbid both, and an interior offensive lineman. I think that's the big three needs for the Giants. Do you guys have any tweaks, ads, or takeaways? I would add uh, maybe some some interior defensive line depth just so that it's not Dexter and Leo every single play. Um, but, geez, that inside linebacker feels like they haven't had a, a guy who could do it all since Antonio Pierce. So it, <laughs> that would be really nice. And I think my hope and a lot of Giants fans I talk to hope is someone like a Brandon Ayuk in the offseason as the wide receiver one. Yeah, and, and Ayuk is so talented. He's strong. He can make plays after the catch. And you could almost argue that even though their offense is so dynamic, he's probably not even used to his full potential as a receiver in San Francisco, just based off how their offense runs. It's not like he is getting peppered with nine targets a game. He's not getting the digs treatment, and maybe he doesn't deserve that treatment exactly. But we even seen what a guy like Christian Kirk can do with a number one workload. He can make catches. He can finish plays and, and do some stuff. So. If IU can be that guy, I would love that if he can end up in New York. That would be a home run for me. And the draft is obviously a crapshoot to some extent, but we've seen many teams across the league draft really good wide receivers in the first and second round. I think the Giants have to look there. Obviously, it kind of depends on who's around during their pick, but first, second round, got to go receiver, got to go probably linebacker or one of those interior lineman spots. I don't know. Pat, any thoughts? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what direction they want to go with, okay, do we draft a receiver or do we draft a middle linebacker? Because I love the idea of Ayuk that Cody said. Another thing that you're going to hear more of, which I'm going to tell you this, I think the Giants have to explore it. Um, I don't think there's a player in the NFL outside of a non-quarterback player in the NFL that's worth giving up a farm of draft picks because you know how valuable they are in the NFL. It's not like baseball. Um, So, if DeAndre Hopkins comes at the right price, I don't know how you don't pull the trigger on that. I mean, again, so you're asking yourself, what is he worth? What is a player that, uh, again, I still think D-Hop's top three receiver in the NFL, him, Justin Jefferson, um, and Devontae. I think he's that good. I think he's still that good. Jamar Chase probably too. And Jamar, yeah, and Chase up there as well. Um, but I think you ask yourself, okay, six games for PEDs. Is that a one-off? Or is now do we have to worry about that for the – the rest of his career. And then obviously when is he going to start to decline? But I mean, did you got one of the best pass catchers in football and we've seen how Jones was able to elevate Isaiah Hodgins, who is a good possession traffic wide receiver where he can go over the middle and, and make catches. Hopkins has been one of the best in football in the last 10 years of doing that. So you got D hop and Ayuk to think about at the receiver or do you forgo, you know, do you forgo both of them and you go just draft? I'd be surprised. But again, you got to remember, you got Wandell Robinson coming back. You got, Sterling Shepard coming back. Obviously, you don't have a lot of faith in his health, his ability to stay healthy. Um, but there's that, and then there, and I, I think the middle linebacker is second most important. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, I'm pretty sure Buffalo's middle guy is going to be a free agent. Do you go give him $60, 70000000 million? And then, or do you draft linebacker first or second round and hope that you can develop a stud? Mm-hmm. So I think those, those are the biggest things. And then you have the obvious ones, like you mentioned. You got you to gotta sign Jones. I don't think there's any question anymore about what the Giants are doing. I saw a press conference with Joe Shane where he kind of like let it slip a little bit when he says something about oh, bringing these guys back next year. And then you can see Dayball like raise his eyebrows like, oh, did you, just give that, you just gave that away there? He's like, wait, uh, you told me not to say that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, and then Saquon amongst the other guys that they have that are free agents. But obviously those are the, those are the biggest two. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, agreed. And I, I personally, I'd rather go receiver in the draft just because Hop's age 
Maybe you go Ayuk uh, and draft a receiver in the in the second, third round, maybe. And then you go with the linebacker or lineman on the first round. I don't know. I think those are both options, but I love D Hop. Know how talented he is. Stashed him in two different fantasy leagues this year and he helped me out a lot. But age is also creeping. So you, you got to be careful with that as well. So we'll, we'll see where they go. That's pretty much it for the Giants right now. We're going to talk now a quick recap, kind of, I guess. Not really, not much to recap here as far as the uh, divisional round. But then we'll talk about the AFC and NFC championship from a preview standpoint. So real quick to run through it, the Jags held tight. Chiefs come out on top. Mahomes injury we'll get to when we preview uh, the conference championship game a little bit. But on the Jaguars, just as their little mini moratorium here, another team that, you know, overperformed, got above expectations, won their division, got into the playoffs, won a game, and, you know, proved why you can actually buy some stock in that franchise as well. And especially in Trevor Lawrence, who I mentioned in our podcast last week, I could make an argument and make a case, and I very well might come next year, that he could be a top six or seven quarterback as quick as next year. After this little mini playoff run for him, how do we feel about T-Law down in Jacksonville? I think he's I think he's got the potential, obviously, right? I mean, number one draft pick. I've seen him make some incredible throws this year. He, dude, he's got an absolute cannon. I think that's the thing people don't realize is that he probably has a top five arm. I'll absolutely give you that for sure. Uh, some of the throws he's made, 50 yards, like right in the bucket for, for Kirk. Um, you know, the way that he elevated that receiving core, because, I mean, let's be honest, when you look at, Excuse me. When you look at who they have, um, you know, they they get Zay Jones from Vegas, who I thought was always a big deep threat. And then he had a couple of games where he went absolutely off this year. Um, obviously, Kirk, pretty close to a number one wide receiver as you can get in the NFL. I think he'd be a number one guy for at least 10 to 12 teams, if not more. Um, and then just, you, you know, you saw the, the chemistry with ETN and at least that draft pick, you know, <laughs> worked off taking those two yeah. guys first round. So he's got the talent. They've got the chemistry as an offense. I just the the decision making man for me still throttles me, right? I mean, it was obviously never more clear as when he threw four picks in the first half against the Chargers, but there was a lot of possessions like that. And you know, to to still have that through two years, I get Urban Meyer was dog shit, worst head coach ever in year one, slowed his growth, but he still makes a lot of questionable decisions for me to be like, okay, I can trust this guy to win a playoff game starting next year. Cause that's what the expectations I think are fairly going to be for them now. Yeah. I'm probably a little, a little closer to, to where Pete is. Like I, I think he's a bona fide top 10 going forward. Like if I'm making a list for next year, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence somewhere closer to that six, seven, eight range. Like you said, um, because, you know, I kind of could throw out, year one with urban like you said like he just didn't have a chance with him you bring over doug peterson proven coach they got it going they also have calvin ridley coming over this year correct is he not right he signed with them so he's gonna have served his year suspension there's your there's your number one of number ones if it's not christian kirk you've got a 1a 1b with those two and you know evan ingram look good so they got weapons travis Etienne, obviously um and they'll probably be favored to win the division now um, but look, he was a number one pick and this highly touted guy out of college for a reason. That stuff didn't just go anywhere. It didn't just go away. He's got the arm, like you said. Um, yeah, the decision-making has to get better. I think it will as time progresses. I was more impressed with the fact that he bounced back from that four interception first quarter than the fact that he threw the four interceptions. Um, they were, you know, they were a couple plays away, I think, from really making the Chiefs sweat there in that game. They really had a good chance. And, you know, I think maybe they're just young and arrowhead. But no, I, I like Trevor Lawrence. He's also a dual threat. He's got the legs. He's a big guy. I mean, I just he came out of college as like the the chosen one. And uh, I think this year was much more of an indication of who he is going forward than what year one was with uh, Urban Meyer. Yeah, it's almost like he is now on the right trajectory back where we thought he was going to be. And his team is also on that trajectory. Like there's even parts there. The defense flies around. They got some talent on defense as well. They obviously have some needs, which we're not going to go into specifically. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens with T-Law. I totally forgot about the Calvin Ridley, uh, Calvin Ridley side of things, Cody. Great point by you. I think he's one of the more talented receivers in the league. If he didn't have his whole weird situation with no quarterback in Atlanta for a little bit, and then obviously gambling. He's maybe listening to this podcast too much. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's an absolute stud. I love Calvin Ridley. I think that people are going to quickly forget how good he was 
if he comes back and is close to what he was. Uh, also, we were talking about top five receivers before. Forgot Cooper Cup. We forgot Cooper Cup. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did I, I Cooper Cup. It's him, easy to it was easy to forget this year. He missed half injury. The year. Yeah. He missed half the year, so it's all good. Um, all right, moving on. Cowboys again, super quick, so we can get to the AFC and NFC Championship game here. We we have Dak Prescott in that Kirk Cousins tier. We did. If you listen to the pod from last week, we didn't even really have thoughts about moving him up. We said he would have had to do some really impressive stuff to get put back in that category with the Jalen Hurts of the world, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, et cetera. Um, and he didn't do it. Clearly, they scored 12 points. And yes, he was going up against a world beater defense in San Francisco, but it didn't feel sharp. It didn't feel impressive for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Some ancillary talks, mostly from fans about if they're going to make moves. My take is Jerry Jones has told us who he is. And it's a guy who does not like to be wrong. So he holds on to his decisions until he has to. That's why Jason Garrett coached them for as long as he freaking did. Right. So we all know kind of what Jerry Jones is. And that's why I believe Mike McCarthy will be back and why I believe Dak Prescott will be back. Cause he's looking at it and saying, we won 12 games, two years in a row. What are, what are we doing here? Right. We're going to run this back. We're, we're, we're one piece away. We're one more weapon away. You know, he's not thinking about any of the important positions. He's thinking about drafting another receiver or another defensive back or whatever, because I don't know if he knows what the hell's going on down there. So Cowboys, any thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I'll just say, um, you know, when I made my bet in my video, Pete, uh, over the weekend, when I said that when you take away the Cowboys run game, Dak Prescott is a mediocre quarterback. I didn't literally mean take out the Cowboys run game. That Tony Pollard injury was fucking gruesome. Uh, You feel for him, broken leg. But literally after he left, that was it. The Cowboys had some juice. They had some momentum early on in the game. They were establishing the run. Tony Pollard had six carries for 22 yards. So he was running for nearly four yards a pop. And then he goes out. They shut down Zeke, who, again, for anybody that's out there that's still like a Zeke believer, I mean, you've seen what what they what he's been this year. He's a run-of-the-mill system running back where he needs to split the carries with somebody else. He doesn't have the stamina. He doesn't have the, the, the energy to carry a game anymore. I don't know how many people out there still think Zeke is a top running back, so maybe I'm preaching to the choir here. I don't think either of you guys do. But they took out Pollard, and the Cowboys' run game disappeared, and I said, take it away. Dak's a mediocre quarterback. He throws those two terrible picks, nearly threw a third on a tip pass. And he was a big, I don't think single-handedly, but he was a big reason. He is the majority reason why they lost that game. NFL playoffs come down to quarterback play, man. Those were both his faults, those interceptions. You can't cost yourself a chance for, I mean, they, they should have scored a touchdown on that drive. They were actually moving it. They converted a first down, uh, fourth down. They were all the way inside the goal line, inside the red zone. And then he just throws a pick where Burrow just throw the ball away. So he took him out of that game. The defense played very well, like I thought they would. That's why I had the under. So, yeah, that loss is on Dak. And there's a reason we had him in the Kirk Cousins tier. Dak Prescott, you are who we thought you were. (laughs) That game was on his shoulders. They scored 12 points. The defense was phenomenal. They were flying around, getting to Brock Purdy, who hung tough. You know, didn't have his best game, but – he hung tough, man. He, he showed that he can hang in that spot, and that's twice now. But this is way more about Dak and the Cowboys. And I don't even think it's necessarily on Mike McCarthy. It's certainly not on the defense. This was squarely on Dak's shoulders. Like, he had his opportunities. You named the uh, two picks he threw. He almost threw a third tip one. He almost threw a pick six on that last possession or second to last possession at the end of the game that was right in the guy's hands. I mean, he just – Never look comfortable. His decision-making looks like it's getting worse or something. I just, He's firmly in that Kirk Cousins tier because, yes, he can have the game he had last week, but he can just revert right back to this. And it, it's just like NFL purgatory for the Cowboys while you have Dak. It's like you're probably not going to find someone better in the free agent market. They're not going to really draft. The, like you are stuck with Dak. He's probably going to get you to the playoffs, and he's probably going to take you this far again next year. It's just the same old song and dance with him, with the franchise. I mean, I, I kind of feel for Cowboys fans because that game was there for the taking. It was in your quarterback's hands, and he just could not deliver whatsoever. He had a really bad game in the biggest spot. It's just how many times do we have to see it with this guy? Mm-hmm. And as fans of the uh, NFL, I think we all win on not having to watch Eagles-Cowboys because like, we see it all the time. Eagles are better. I mean, especially for Giants fans, obviously, for obvious reasons. 
but <sighs> Niners are the better team and, and they did. I can breathe. They take, yeah, they took control and they won it. Pat, what do you want to add? Yeah. I was just going to say real quick, Cody, I, I get what you're saying, but like, are they stuck with Dak? Because the defense is pretty fucking solid. You got Micah Parsons who, what are they think, doing now? What, what's their option? What is their Yeah, that's my be? question. What would their option be? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm open to listen to it. I just don't know what it actually is. What trading it sounds for Aaron like. Rodgers? You know, like I was going to say, that's a possibility. I'm being dead ass. Trade for Aaron Rodgers, just, sign Lamar Jackson, and tell Dak kick rocks. Like, find a way to trade him for something else. Get as many picks as you can back. Because look at the weapons. CeeDee Lamb's bonafide number one. I have no more doubts about him. He is legit. He is him. Yes. He's, I think I, I would put him right behind Chase. I'd put him as number six. Number seven in terms of the, the top wideouts in the league. He is elite. Dalton Schultz, great tight end. And they've got a, a plethora of them. He's got this fucking guy, Hendershot, Jake Ferguson, like these guys that always end up either catching a touchdown pass or you see them lay somebody out uh, behind Schultz. So they got good weapons in the tight end pool alone. And then you have CD, you have, you know, a couple big games from Michael Gallup and Noah Brown. I think they're good two, three compliments and a run game with Pollard and Elliott both healthy was great. And the line, we always hear about the line. The line's always top five. I don't think that changed this year. And then the defense was great. They were a, in a top 10 defensive unit. Dan Quinn probably could get a head coaching job next year if he wants one. I don't think he should. I think he will. But he probably could. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. where else is this team lacking? Like, if they have Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, they're they're winning a Super Bowl. Right. No doubt about that. And, I'm not saying that they, they can they can find them. Like they're not going to have them if they trade for Aaron Rodgers. I think that's their best option or Lamar if he can stay healthy. Right. But with an elite quarterback, this team wins that game. And I, I think that you're right in the world of what they should do. I think where you would be wrong. So I'm not saying you're saying this is in the world of what they what will what they will do, right? Because Jerry has just proven to us that he kind of holds on to these guys and he hangs tight to his decisions because I don't know if he doesn't want to be wrong or he wants to just, he doesn't like change in his old age. Like, you know, we kind of grew up with this uh, mystical thought around Jerry Jones that he was this cutthroat businessman who's going to do what he has to do and he's going to make money over money, which obviously he's still making money, but he's not making decisions to rip band-aids off like the prime Patriots did, right? He doesn't get it off players early. You can argue trading Amari Cooper was one of those, decisions that made sense and, and however Amari Cooper's still a good player would have helped them this year so it's not like that decision helped them in some grand way and obviously that wouldn't be enough to get an Aaron Rodgers anyway but it doesn't feel like Jerry Jones is that type of owner to allow his team to trade somebody who is a bona fide franchise quarterback like we're saying he's just not uh, as much of a ceiling raiser as we thought he was going to be you know before the big injury perhaps because there were points two, three years ago where you're listening to podcasts and uh, all the nerds out there who watch film and break down everything are like, it is annoying how good he's gotten at, uh, you know, uh, anticipation throws and getting better at reading defenses, all stuff that we didn't see from him in his first two years when he was truly a game manager playing above expectations with the best O-line in the league. Then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is not the O-line's team anymore. It's Dak Prescott's team. And from there, it's been an injury and then just been a, a a really steady ship of 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 decent, and there's not much greatness that goes on there consistently. But Pat, I do agree with you. CD Lamb may have had some questions about if he's a true number one. There ain't questions no more. There ain't questions no more. All right, let's do a little preview here of the AFC and NFC Championship game right here on Subway Sports Talk with Pete Kennedy, Pat Boyle, and Cody O'Connor. We'll just go in order. 49ers at Eagles at three o'clock. The Eagles are minus two and a half. Um, right now, some of the cash coming in on the 49ers, not a ton, but a little more cash than tickets on the Niners guys off the jump. What did you expect this spread to be? You know, Cody, if we're playing guess the lines with Bill Simmons, what, what were you guessing the line was going to be? Cause I'm kind of curious about that of, of where people are thinking the line should have been versus where it is. I feel like I saw it before I even got to guess, but mm. I think this is a good spread. I think that's right where it should be. Eagles are home. Maybe, maybe you give them the full three, but I think people would hop on San Fran right away if you gave them the three. Rookie quarterback going into Philadelphia is probably the argument for the Eagles, right? But if you're San Fran, you just got away with not playing your best game. You're still here. Eagles maybe just did play their best game. Is that what they're going to do, or did they kind of blow their load on Saturday? Um, so two and a half, I think that's a fine line. I don't know where I'll take, but I know I'll take something. <laughs> Pat, what about you going into the spread? 
Yeah, I agree. I thought it was going to be one and a half or two. I, I didn't think there was ever a shot. It was a field goal or more. So I thought, I think this is pretty exactly where you, where it's supposed to be. Um, I think it's a tinge closer to two and a half because um, I think a little recency bias within that. I think everybody just saw the Eagles destroy the Giants and the Niners. Yeah, Cody, like you said, they didn't play their best game, had to kind of sweat it out against Dallas. Uh, so I think there's a little recency bias. I thought it was going to be one and a half or two. But yeah, this is right. I mean, it really just comes down to who do you think is going to win the game? I don't think this is, I mean, two and a half, anything inside a field goal. It's not a pick them, but, um, you know, again, the question is going to be, can they slow down Hertz's legs, right? Number one run defense. Can they live up to that name? There's, there's really never been a question outside of like one or two games in this 11 game winning streak to doubt them, to doubt their defense. So I would expect that to hold up. And then again, you mentioned it, Purdy. Second game in a row, didn't look great. Still performing way above what we thought he would. The last pick in the draft, third string quarterback. Um, but he's gonna have to he's gonna have to play really, really special in order for them to win that game. I said it five minutes ago, I'll say it again. NFL playoffs comes down to quarterback play. And it's almost like, okay, how long can San Francisco be the better team on paper and just win the way they want to win? Where they can beat every team with their defense. They have to win this game with their quarterback play. Purdy's going to have to throw for 250 and two touchdowns, not turn the ball over. Can he do that? Um, I mean, he's looked really great, man. I just, that, that's asking a lot here, especially because he hasn't looked that great in the first two games. McCaffrey's uh, health is also a little bit in question with that calf injury. I think it's like a grade one. He'll play. It's just, you know, what kind of explosiveness? Obviously, so much is centered around what he can do in both the running and passing game for San Fran. So his health is going to be. Uh, you know, really important going forward. Yeah. My lean was more towards that. It would be closer to a pick them than three. So my guess would have been, you know, minus one for the Eagles rather than closer to three. Uh, so that's where I was off. I thought it would be more in the Niners favor. Cause I, I feel like Vegas has just kind of been given Niners really favorable spreads. And I shouldn't say favorable. It's probably a misleading word, but, uh, they're favor. They're making the 49ers a favorite and heavy favorites in a lot of a lot of these games. So I thought maybe that would make this closer to a pick'em. And I'm wrong. It does leave open the teaser door wide open. Like for real, two and a half. That is the ultimate teaser leg for the underdog. You take the Niners up to uh, plus eight and a half. You could also get. Oh, I'm seeing this correctly here. The Bengals are now favorite. Is that right? The Bengals are minus one and a half. Yeah, that line's been moving a ton, man. And no surprise, wow. obviously, with Mahomes' ankle. Yeah, so that's with Mahomes' ankle thing. I, I actually read that wrong. I thought it was still Chiefs minus one and a half. So even more so, you can take the 49ers from two and a half up to plus eight and a half. You can take the Chiefs from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half. I mean, that is a, a made-for-gambling teaser right there. Right, that That's it. You go through the three, through the seven. You get two good teams to get a touchdown cover. I, I mean, it feels good. What can go wrong? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm curious, like, do you guys think Vegas when they're setting these lines or the sports books in general, are they thinking of teasers when they're putting these lines together? Or are they just doing their thing with the, with the straight lines here? Like, I'm not I sure. Think, I think a little bit of that goes into play for sure. You know, when they'll, when they'll put a team, you know, given the hook three and a half, um, six and a half, seven and a half, like, you know, or even numbers that are right inside that. Like you, I think they know like, yeah, a lot of people bet this way. I'm going to, I'm going to give a team plus two and a half and people are going to say, okay, well, there's not really an incentive to pick them now if I think they're going to win. So yeah, I'll get them up to seven and a half. I'll get them up to eight and a half for sure. Vegas knows all it's all (laughs) incumbent in what they're doing. It's all part of it. I think, yeah, I, I do fully believe that teasers and all that go into their line making and, and I think a lot of it is like who, which side they think are going to bet on, not necessarily always what's maybe the fairest line, but hey, how can we get people to bet onto this side or to that? I think that's part of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's obviously always their goal, right? To, to get the money onto whatever side they think is going to lose. All right. That's their goal. What side do they think is going to lose? Let's get people to bet on that side. All right. That's how they win. And that's how I win. That's the uh, Uncut Gems line, of course. Um, but my lean here, KG, what are we doing? KG, this is how I win. KG. <laughs> That's pretty good. Actually, uh, for the Adam. Sorry. Yeah. Surprising out of nowhere right there, Pat. Well done. Go I was ahead. like saying that to myself the other day. Cause I saw a clip of Francesca talking about that when he played in that movie. Oh, I forgot that Francesca was in that movie. 
I got to rewatch that. I saw it in theaters and it was so intense to watch the entire time. Like I was literally like having heart palpitations, like for the whole film, which is the point, right? Like it's a, uh, an addict. It's an actual gambling addict. Who's in this never ending circle of winning and then losing it and then winning it and then losing it and then winning it and then losing it. So that's why it was a great movie, but man, it's hard to bring myself to watch it again. It's so intense. I can't get there. So much went on in that too. Yeah. Crazy. A lot of moving parts. It was very, very chaotic. That's the right word. Uh, but my lean is a little bit right now towards the Niners. I, I just really am so freaking impressed by their defense and the way they fly around. And if anybody's going to get on the Eagles and not just stop their run, but make it difficult for Hertz to get off uh, some of those deep shots that he'll take, it's the Niners, man. Like they are the type of team that can kind of swallow them up. So my current lean is towards the Niners, but I, I'm not I'm not ready to make a, a real pick yet on this one. I, I have to think more about it. Uh, any other thoughts there? All right. All right. Chiefs home against the Bengals. The rematch of the AFC championship from last year. Pat, what's the uh the up the up to date on Mahomes? What did you see? Yeah, so high ankle sprain. Um, he's insisting he's going to play, but yeah, he took it on that hit. I forget who it was on Jacksonville that kind of just fell on him. Mm. And I know some people were upset. They're like, not even trying to wrap and tackle. I think your boy Warren Sharp tweeted out a video. He was pissed about it. Not even trying to tackle. He clearly just fell on, on Mahomes' ankle. They were trying to hurt him. I mean, again, do you buy that? Uh, that's up to you how cynical you are. But uh, yeah, I don't, it didn't look like it was affecting him a ton when he came back in that second half. Now, again, I'm sure he took some pops and pills, a little painkiller there. He was, he had adrenaline running through. Now, after a full week, if he's trying to stay off of it, I mean, that doesn't go away in a week. High ankle sprain, unless it was, you know, like a, on a scale of 1 to 10, unless it was a 1, which it didn't look like it was a 1 from the replay, it's going to be affecting him. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect his – when he plants to throw, you know, the height of his balls, how much, how much juice he's got coming off his arm, um, and his ability to move in the pocket. So I think that absolutely goes into this game. I think you're a fool if you say, oh, Mahomes is fine. They're just drawing. They're, they're playing this up. He's going to be 100%. He's not. He's not going to be 100%. Um, again, he's the best quarterback in football. I think he can over, obviously overcome that a little bit, but not 100%. And in a game where Cincinnati, once again, looks so goddamn good and complete in the postseason, you're not. You're going to get their A game. They, they're, they're well coached. I got to give Zach Taylor a ton of credit. Uh, the way they prepare, the way they came out and just absolutely dominated Buffalo from start to finish uh, was a testament to where this franchise is and where Joe Burrow is. And the motherfucker talks a big game. You know, the window is me. As long as I'm playing, we have a Super Bowl window. You know, again, I said every week, how can we doubt him? How can we doubt him? You bet on Joe Burrow, you, you're pretty fucking rich over the last two years here. Uh, spread and money line. So, Kind of tough to think that Kansas City's on equal footing here in this game with Mahomes clearly limited. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that was a pun or not with the equal footing, if it was very well done by you. It was. I didn't want to say that pun intended. I wanted to see if you guys grabbed it. <laughs> yeah, um, it was nice. Hey, oh, for you, buddy. Um, no, I mean, look, I think that that game is probably close to a pick or as even as it gets. I think those are the two best teams in the AFC and – for what it's worth, I think it's the two best teams in the NFC. For all the, you know, craziness that was this year, I do think we have the best four teams left in the league. And it's just like, I mean, you just nailed it, Pat. It's what I said last week. Like, Joe Burrow has earned that respect to just be trusted in these moments, in these big games. And not like, to me, this is not a knock on Josh Allen, even though they were abysmal this week. I think that there's a chance that you have Joe Burrow and Pat Mahomes in their own tier right now. And maybe Josh Allen's in his own tier below them, but they might have taken over as, hey, we are one and two. And he said that in his interview, and he has backed it up, like you said. Dude, Joe Burrow is just a hard guy to bet against, man. He's just a winner. He just feels like he has that that energy. He says the old Bengals are dead, and now he's going to back-to-back AFC championships. He's won more playoff games than their franchise in two years. It's it, He's ridiculous, right? And then you add in that Mahomes – has a high ankle sprain, that's not, like you said, it's not going to go away. All the off-platform throws he does, no, he's not Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson with his legs, but his legs can be pretty damn useful. He can pick up a third and eight with his legs. He can score a touchdown when you're not expecting it, when he's got all these things that you've got to cover with the Chiefs that makes them so great. His legs are a part of it. And, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, and I'm a guy, I've got a Chiefs future riding. That's the last one I've got going. And I'm very nervous, even in Arrowhead, especially with the ankle injury. I have a hard time that I'll be betting uh, or doubling down on the Chiefs. I think it's it's the right time to probably just hedge, split it in half or something along those lines because I don't want to bet against Joe Burrow. I just don't want to bet against that guy. And not to gloss over Joe Burrow, but also you got to shout out Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, who has just put together you know, masterful half after half. And it's not always full games. It's not. But the clear-cut ability to make those changes in second halves when they're not looking super hot in the first is something else. It, it really has been for a long time now. It's going back to two years. I think it was a little more niche football nerd who was really impressed with him last year. And then this year it became a little more mainstream. He's the type of guy who, you know, will he want to go get a, a head coaching job? I don't know. I actually know his his son a little bit. He went to the high school I work at, uh, and it's, I don't ask him those types of questions. Now. I'm not prying for that type of information. Just, you know, when I see him, I ask about the vibes and the team and whatever, and vibes are good over there, man. They are confident, not just Joe Burrow. Maybe it's him infecting the whole team, but they got a real good thing going there. The D-line is strong. Even with some of the injuries they dealt with, uh, their defense never really tapered off. It's been solid the entire time. So you combine the ability of Joe Burrow to take some of those big time risks without ever seemingly, you know, really giving it up. Like, yeah, he'll throw a pick or two here or there. Who won't? You know, that's why I said about Daniel Jones this year is I, I can't wait to see him with receivers so he can up his risk a little bit more. He had the uh, bad ability, the inability to hang on to the ball in the early parts of his career. He totally fixed that this year and didn't turn the ball over. Now it's time to up that risk again and trust your receivers. Maybe not for Daniel Jones because he doesn't have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Hayden Hurst. Like, that's no joke. So Joe Burrow doing it all with swag, with confidence. It's super hard to bet against them. And then I'm just going to be paying attention to um, the way people are talking about it because I mean that's something that goes into my mind. When I hear, especially like last week, for example, everybody was hyping up the Giants. Oh, the Giants this, plus seven and a half. Yes, I'm taking the Giants. They have a chance to win. They have a chance to shock the Eagles. Like that's red flag number one for me. So if everybody's going into Sunday saying Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Bengals, Bengals, Pat Mahomes ain't healthy, Bengals are going to roll with this one, that'll be a red flag for me just knowing myself. That'll make me bet the Chiefs even if I don't believe in it. It's one of those hold-your-nose bets that we talk about all the time, Pat. So that, that's where I'm sitting right now at this game, though everything is telling me the Bengals are more situated to win this one. I got to wait and see. I got to see some of the, the talks about Joe Burrow and talks about Pat Mahomes going into Sunday, but it's damn hard to not trust Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, Luna Rumo in that defense. Yeah, I'm leaning for sure Cincinnati. Um, and I think even if Mahomes is 100%, I think I would probably still be betting Cincinnati because you'd probably be getting two and a half or three points, and you can tease yeah. that up as well. Double teaser, eight and a half, how you doing? How you um, doing? How you doing? What do you want to do here? Um, but yeah, now that obviously Mahomes is limited, and I'm sure he'll be you know painkillered up. I'm sure he'll be perked up if he wanted to be <laughs> but he's gonna <laughs> like he's gonna be limited for sure at some point in the game you're gonna see a couple of throws or you're gonna see a drive and you're like yeah he's not 100 so based off that information the fact that i was leaning cincinnati to begin with i'm absolutely taking them and then man i love my niners pete i've been hyping them up all year you know you, you kept asking like in a couple of like the first two weeks three weeks of purdy you're like how do they keep getting such huge spreads and they kept covering them and we've yeah. seen it over a full year now but man Something's telling me that Philadelphia, this is this is the Eagles game to lose yet again. As much as I know that pains Cody to hear, I think Cody realizes it kills me to hear. I know you know how good this team is, and not just because mm -hmm. they destroyed the Giants. They've proved it all year long, right? Hurts got a little banged up, and um, they went two and two. And people are like, oh, they throw off the rhythm, but I mean, they're they're as every good as they've been all year, and it's at the link, it's at home. This feels like 2017 again here. So I don't know. I'm going to be at war myself all week, depending on where I'm leaning with the wallet in that game. Mm. Might be a spot to buy the Niners up a few points. And if you like the Bengals enough, you know what I mean? Like, even if you just get it to the hook and you just take the money line, it's it's going to be plus odds, probably close to like plus 140. I think it's a field goal game. I think these are, like I said, two best teams, evenly matched, superstars all across the board. Both lines are fantastic. 
Both skill position players are fantastic. It's just it's going to be a dogfight. And, uh, God, I hate that you're probably right that it might be the Eagles game to lose, you know, after the Phillies made their run to the World Series. Their yeah. fans say they won the National League. I say they lost the World Series. Either way, you know, it sucks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like if, I, if I'm betting this game tonight, if these games are being played today, I'm probably going Bengals plus three and a half, Niners plus seven and a half, plus 107 odds. Mm. To, me, that, to me, that's a smart play. It feels good. There you go. It feels good. We'll be doing picks later in the week as well. Hopefully we'll do a pod or something. We'll try to figure out some timing. The past two weeks have been difficult with me being away. And then last week we couldn't figure it out either on, on the picks pod, but we're here right now. So hopefully you enjoyed today's episode right here on subway sports talk. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a sports fan. Like Cody said, the four best teams in the league are the final four. You don't get to say it every year. You really don't probably less often than not, or more often than not, you don't get to say it. So I'm excited to watch on Sunday. I know we're excited to talk about it as it happens and afterwards. So for you guys listening, thank you very much. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. On Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, and on YouTube, you can subscribe and hit the notification bell. All that stuff really, really helps the page, helps the podcast a lot, helps it get in front of more people's ears and eyes. So thank you for doing that. For Pat Boyle, for Cody O'Connor, I'm Pete Kennedy, Subway Sports Talk. Cheers.